Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I have confession and confusion on the brain, amongst other things. But those are the two words I wanted to give you, confession and confusion. I'm actually sitting with a lot internally. And uh, it's all interwoven like a big ball of multicolored yarn. So just think about a big ball of yarn with multiple colors. And normally, mm-mm. when I first started this project, I was very comfortable with hitting the record button with the ball of yarn, mm-mm. the ball of multicolored yarn. And then working my way through untangling it and sorting and separating. But that isn't where I've been at this season, season four. And I think in season three, I realized that I want to come to you all with the yarn already detangled. And then from that detangled space, I want to get nuanced. So if in the ball of yarn, just work with me for a second here. If in the ball of yarn, we have orange, red, green, blue, purple, black, brown, yellow. You get the sense. I'm trying to think of all of the major colors. And there are all these colors in this big ball of yarn. They're all interwoven. When you untangle that, you put all the blue yarn together, all the yellow yarn together, you know, green and so forth. You detangle it, you sort and you separate. And what I've been doing in season four, and it started in season three, but I've been fairly, fairly good at uh, this structure in season four is... I wait until the ball of yarn is sorted and separated. And then I go in and do one of two things. Either I name to you all the different colors. I'll say I got yellow on the brain, blue on the green, brown on the brain, green, brown, black, yellow, orange, red, purple. You guys get this. That's my list. When I start the reflections off and I give you a list, usually I have done some kind of sorting and separating and detangling so I could generate a list. And then I move about in the reflection. That's one way that I have really settled into a structure for this project. Another way that I'm settled in it is that I will start off and I'll say, I'm going to start off. I've already sorted and separated. I don't give you a list. I say, I'm going to start off with yellow. I clearly know yellow is on the brain and I have some ideas of what I want to say about yellow. You guys know I'm in a metaphor, right? <laughs> and either way, whether I talk to you about one color or I talk to you and I 
I first give you a list of the colors and then I move into one. It's a pretty, I've been working on making sure these reflections have a better level of cohesiveness. I say better because I know that there's still room for improvement. But I say all of that to say that when I started this project in June of 2020, which is weird, I can't believe we're going to hit two years of me doing this project. It's unbelievable, actually. Excuse me, but when I started in 2020, I just hit the record button and I just started talking through the ball, the inter, the ball of yarn, the ball of multicolored yarn. And you guys got a chance to see the very messy and scattered and disjointed way that I can go about trying to untangle that. And what the, what the ball of yarn actually is representing is oftentimes I think it represents my intuition. There's so much in my intuition and intuition is primarily an unconscious function. That's a hard thing to get people to understand. It's an unconscious fo- function, and when it is fun- when it is conscious, it is abstract. Introverted intuition is mostly unconscious. In my, this is my thinking. I'm, I'm not telling you. You know, if I'm taking it from some text, I would tell you. But from all that I've learned and from all that I've experienced. I'm saying that introverted intuition is primarily unconscious. It's like an iceberg. We might talk that abstract piece is the tip, but the what's underneath the water is unconscious, and that's where most of our processing happens and it's a different kind of unconscious from the shadow because a shadow we're not aware of it and we're not functioning in it but as a dominant introverted intuitive I am functioning a lot in that in that introverted intuition I'm just not conscious of it all I'm not just functioning in it I'm proficient in it I'm highly proficient yet unconscious which is different from the shadow of being unaware and not proficient in those functions. To be highly proficient and high functioning yet unconscious is, it is a phenomenon that I wish more type experts would talk about. But anyway, I'm in a rabbit hole, y'all. I haven't even set my disclaimers. So let me try to either get to the point of a disclaimer or, or we just won't do one. How about that? We just won't do that. Do one. So anywho, I am this morning <laughs> I have a ball of yarn. I haven't even generated a list. I I tried to force myself to write a list, but it doesn't feel like this list that I forced myself to write was about this project, but normally the list is about what's coming up out of the intuition once I start sorting and separating. But I want—I didn't have anything to talk about. I'm not sure what to talk about. 
other than saying confession and confusion. Don't even know what I want to say with that. And so I said, let's write a list. You got to have a list. And I don't think I'm going to read that list to you because that's, it's not genuine. It's not genuine. That, my lists normally are about me. I wrote the, today's list just as a production piece and that's not what I, I don't do that. So anyway. So anyway, just want to tell you, I'm going to try to talk about confusion and conf- confession and confusion. I want to try to do that. But I suspect that this ball of yarn is going to really get in the way, which is what I'm, why I'm rambling right now. I suspect that, you guys. So we'll see what happens, all right? If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I am a trained and practicing social scientist and educator and have been doing this work for about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I identify as a critical race feminist. That means I have an intellectual sensitivity to how power shows up at the interpersonal level, particularly as it relates to social constructs such as race, class, sexuality, gender, just to name a few. This project is unedited and it's unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at youridom.wordpress.com. All right. To my one of my followers, I did that in under ten minutes. I'm going to keep you in the brain from now on. <laughs> like if I can't, if I can't hit it in the first fifteen minutes of those disclaimers, I don't need to do it at all. That is what I'm going to try to commit to. I've been doing better, but so um, I I am going to try to talk to you about confession and confusion. But again, please, please, please make room for me to be disjointed, to be scattered, because there is this huge ball of yarn, (laughs) multicolored ball of yarn, and it is pretty, it's pressing up against me right now. And I'm deeply curious about it, but so, so if I get distracted, just so you know what's going on internally. Let me say this. <laughs> See, there we go. Let's just talk about this a little bit more. I want to say something. <laughs> I think I started saying this before I did the disclaimers that I used to think that the ball of yarn was about this intuition because it's unconscious and trying to go in there and untangle it. And then sometimes I say that this ball of yarn is about the intuition. It's unconscious and trying to go in there and pull it out and all of that. In addition to my introverted feeling that's also on the inside, feeling the things that I'm seeing through my intuition. And so that's typically how I treat the ball of yarn. But when I was talking, as I set this episode up, if you're going to call it a setup, as I was talking, um... As I was talking, I'm sorry. I began to get curious about those other two functions in my stack. 
extroverted thinking and intro and extroverted sensing. And I was like, I wonder if that's part of the entanglement as well. Because while I have this intuitive thing that is wrestling between conscious and unconscious and trying to make sense of that, and while there's a feeling part associated with what I'm seeing at the conscious and unconscious level, and I don't even know if that makes sense to see something at the unconscious level, it's an impression. I haven't talked about that, you know, that concept in a long time. It's like an impression. So while I can't get into the unconscious, there is an impression that lets me know that there's something in the unconscious. There's something underneath the water. So while I am looking at what I can see and what the impression is, my feelings are having a response to it. But it just occurred to me you know, about five minutes ago, that the thinking part of me is also interwoven into this ball of yarn because I have access to words, theories, research. I have a, and I have an analytical ability. All of that then is sprinkled in there and I'm it's also part of the ball of yarn that's also that's also there I, I don't know how I've never thought about that before and then well we might as well just go and get that last function extroverted sensing and particularly this morning I'm waking up with flashes of experiences that I had yesterday I don't know if I'm saying that right about I don't know if I should attribute that to extroverted sensing. I'm a little bit out of my element, my depth, so I want to I'm going to stop them. I'm going to stop it right there before I say something and completely embarrass myself. But you guys hopefully get the gist of um this ball of yarn. Uh, it's it's not as simple of I mean introverted intuition is complicated enough. But I don't think it's just that. I think it's a, I think it's all of those functions. Um, so with that being said, uh, confession and confusion, I'm going to try. So I feel like I need to confess to you all because I have been on a, a really weird roller coaster ride this past year. I really have to confess that. And on the roller coaster ride of going up, down, sideways, going really fast, flipping upside down, and now with some roller coasters going backwards, right? And spinning and all of the things that roller coasters can do. I have been trying to also anchor in and lock down the self. Who am I? What am I doing? That's number one, differentiating who I am and what I'm doing now that I'm in the second half of life versus the first half of life. That's number two. And number three, and all of this is connected, number three, really just trying to keep myself safe in the world. 
and trying to be honest about the act of safety is different from thriving. You know, that's an interesting thing. I need to write that down. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? But for whatever reason, I don't think I've really, really owned that for myself. What does that mean? Being safe is different from thriving. However, however, and this is something that I have on my little makeshift, my bastardized list here. <laughs> I have number, uh, what number is it? Number four, desiring for stability. Is that a sensor, an issue of sen- the sense um, of the cognitive, uh, is that a sensor phenomenon or is it a self-preservation phenomenon? I'll say that again. Number four, desire for stability. Is that a sensor phenomenon or a self-preservation phenomenon? And the only reason why I'm bringing that up is because this idea of this roller coaster ride is that I've been part number three is that I'm trying to stay safe in the world. And I was reading an article, I was reading this article, um, that said sensors I just you know what? I just read it this morning. Because of something else I put on the list. Number two, Dr. King, I was I woke up with this feeling of envy. I was envying INFJs. I envy, I was, I just, I'm not going to say I envy INFJs all the time. Because I don't believe I do. But I woke up this morning feeling envious of, I, of an INFJ. Because I just think, I, I think most I I don't because I'm not functioning like most INTJs, and this is I'm going to talk about the stereotype, the INTJ stereotype. You're going to get off into some kind of thing, some kind of solo project, and you're focused on some type of inanimate, not inanimate, some type of non-social issue. And you focus and you folk, you know, an INTJ can do its own thing and it's not focused on the social. Well, I'm, I'm, I have a sensitivity to the social world. I have a sensitivity to the social world and a training for the social world. And because of my INTJ-ness, I then want to do something about it. I want to fix it. You can't do the social world if you don't have a connection with the people. (laughs) And so I really struggle with that. I mean, and it's not that I don't love people in terms of, I love the idea of people. I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't love the messy, complicated, irrational side of people. The irrational side of people. And it's just normal. That's just a normal side. A normal condition. And that doesn't fit neatly into the INTJ 
world of, of being a rational person. So it's like I have I have a an a, an, a, an understanding. Sorry about that. That's the morning. Okay, that's my alarm. It's time to get ready for work. Um, I have an irrational. I have a focus on. Um, I shouldn't say a focus. I have an, a deep understanding of the social world. A deep understanding of the social world. And then, as an INTJ, I now want to do something about do some kind of fix. Now, I do know that there are INTJs that do see the social world and will, can want to do something about it. But I don't hear. I don't hear from those people. I don't, I don't hear from those INTJs. So I don't know how they wrestle with under wanting to do something in the world and then having to deal with people. I don't hear them talking about it. I would love to hear that. And so I woke up this morning just feeling envious of an I, of an INFJ because like, wow, to have that deep insight and a, and a calling for the social world. And then you can leverage the talents of people and the support of people. And I think maybe the difference would be maybe an INTJ can do their thing in the world, in the social world, still as an independent, as an individual. But the things, the, 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 what I have wanted to do for so long is uh, it, it requires a movement of people. And it's not that I don't know how to do it. I just don't have the appetite to do the emotional labor that I would have to do in galvanizing and engaging for a movement. A movement of people. I don't have that. I do not have that desire. And I'm too, and I'm old enough now to know that. And I'm secure in myself. So where if I was younger, I, I would have put pressure on myself be better <laughs> and now I'm like yeah this is just me <laughs> so anywho I don't even know why I told you guys all of that but um so I was reading this article and it was about Dr. King being an INFJ this morning and uh and they were just, this article was just going through it, trying to make a case that he was an INFJ. So when they got to the intuitive part, they started talking about intuition and sensing. And they were like, sensors want to feel secure. Sensors, excuse me, focus on security. Nope, 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 that's not true. Sensors focus on stability. Sensors focus on stability. And intuit- intuitives aren't going to focus on that. Not that we don't want security and we don't want to be safe. But we're not going to focus on stability. We're focusing on meaning-making. We're focusing on the possibilities. And so when you're not focusing on stability, chances are stability is not going to be the thing that you experience the most. Because what you focused on, what you think about, manifests as it now, that is something I'm thinking about right now. This out of the Christian text, out of the Bible. As a man thinketh, this is a scripture. I don't know where it's at. As a man thinketh, so is he. 
as a man thinketh, so is he. And so whatever you're thinking about, you become that thing. And so sensors are, excuse me, intuitives are not focused on stability in the sensory world. And that has bit me in the bottom. I mean, it is, it is something that I, 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 I don't know. Because it's in that experience of liquefaction. And that is totally, totally having an impact on how I'm making decisions right now. And so while I can talk to you guys and have these amazing breakthroughs about what's holding me back, you know, fear, just... And I believe all of the reflections that I've had this season are true and and they've helped me. But I'm, I'm still wrestling with trying to stay secure. I want to tell you something so basic just to illustrate this point. I could remember, I could, um, something is happening in my head, competing for my attention. I'm going to try to push through it. I was looking at the roll of toilet paper in my bathroom and um, I keep, I keep a basket in there with like usually three rolls in a basket. And even that, that wasn't even what I was going to tell you about the toilet paper, but I can start there. I have a basket in my bathroom with three rolls, and I always keep, I always replenish it. So there's always three rolls of toilet paper in this basket. So somehow I hadn't replenished the basket. I only had one roll. So I went to the pan, the cat, the pantry cabinet, and I, I had this large package of toilet paper. So I put my hand in there, I pulled out two, put two in the basket. And that right there is something that makes me feel secure. Because for so long, I couldn't afford the large, large container of toilet paper. I could only go and get four. I could only afford to go to the store and buy four at a time. And I know, I know that that's still comfort and privilege for me because I actually know people who have to, had to scrounge up money to go get a single roll of toilet paper. I've seen that. So I'm not trying to even complain about, oh, I'm only able to, I was only able to afford a package of four toilet rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> Because there are other people who can only go to the store and get one at a time. However, since I've hit recovery, since I've gotten back on my feet, I don't buy four rolls of toilet paper. I buy the big bundle. And it makes me feel secure. 
I love looking at that basket with three rolls of toilet paper in it every day. <laughs> oh my God. I know it. I'm just laughing because if you're listening to me while you're driving, like, lady, why are you talking about toilet paper? You went from a ball of yarn to roller coasters to toilet paper. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, just bear with me, y'all. Just bear with me. Oh, my goodness gracious. But that is a desire for me right now. And does that mean I'm a censor? As in the Myers-Briggs. Or does that mean I'm self-preservation? As in the Enneagram 8. And as an 8 person not wanting to be controlled or to be out of control... When you, when your world financially and structurally falls apart, you lose all control of yourself. Forget other people. You lose control of yourself. So part of my desire for stability is a desire for me to be able to remain in control of myself. But it is getting in the way of who I am in at the cognitive level, I'm not able to use my mind the way I need to use my mind. So choices that I'm making to be able to buy the big roll of toilet paper, even paper towels. I have a cabinet and I it, it and and it I don't know. Is it? It might be a borderline obsession. Because in this cabinet, I open it up. I got rolls of toilet paper, and that makes me happy because I feel like I'm not going to run out. I was not. I was. I was not like this until I hit the liquefaction season of my life. You have to go back and listen to other episodes. Um, I put it in the show notes called liquefaction. My world fell apart. I could not, many days I couldn't drive my car because I couldn't afford gas money. So I was walking. I had to really ration out my money so I could make sure I was going to be able to eat and that I could still take care of my dogs because I did not want to lose my dogs in that season. Like they were an emotional, you know, I just, they're my family. So I think I was reading somewhere that financial hardship can be trauma and so I'm sure part of this roller coaster thing is about trauma of like not knowing not knowing a fear of not being able to take care of myself and so that is there so while I'm pressing through and I'm trying to think about the second half of life and What's my calling and what's spirit? And all of that, all of that remains true. And the idea of fear, it's not fear of being a failing, but it is fear of no longer being able to take care of myself because I am pursuing ideas that are in my brain, in my introverted intuition. So I'm sacrificing my mind and as an INTJ 
That's such an essential part of me. I'm sacrificing that because I haven't figured out another way to be secure in the world other than these jobs. And I'm not an employee, an employee. I'm not. There are a thousand reasons why I am not an employee. So I'm going into a space and I've gotten, and here's the problem. Here's another complication. This is part of the confusion. I am, I am, I'm, I'm a leader. I'm wired as a leader. As a type eight, I'm wired as a leader. As an INTJ, I'm definitely wired as an intellectual leader. And I'm trained and experienced as a leader. But you can't do leadership as an employee because then you're doing leadership for the organization. You're not doing leadership based on your own ideas. When you do leadership for an organization, you're leading based on what that organization wants you to do. That's a different type of leadership than being an entrepreneurial leadership or leader or an independent leader. So in this desire to remain secure, I am going into these jobs, this job, and then I'm trying to like just keep my nose down, just do the job, come home and do a job that you feel decent about. I love education. But then I get there and the INTJ aided me is overwhelmed by the inefficiency, what's inefficiency the unawareness and a lot of, excuse me, but shittery that's happening around power. And then I lose my mind. And and when I say lose my mind, I'm like, this is an internal turmoil, inner turmoil that I go through because I'm wrestling with, do I fight them on this? Do I fight them to right the ship to let them know where they're going wrong? Do I fight them to lead even more? Or do I realize that that system is never going to change? Not realize. Do I accept that that system will never change itself? Never. Never. It's never going to change itself. Never. I should say never. I was reading about Dr. King. They said he, he never gave up faith that there was a better future. That, ew. I mean, do I believe? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about this particular organization. And it says it wants to change. Oh, I don't, I don't know. And like, am I, and I keep telling my family, that's not my battle. But then I go, well, well, whatever you do, you have to do it with all of you as an INDJ. And let's go back to the previous episode, the gifted side of me. I can't be cut off from those things. I don't know that. That's the confusion. And that's the confession. 
that I've been really trying to find a way to thrive and thrive, but also keep myself safe. And that is confusing. As I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. I just don't know. I know leaving, leaving the organization isn't the answer for me right now because I need to have my roll of toilet paper. <laughs> I need to have my package of toilet paper. And some of you are like, do you? Can you be okay with going and being and going to buy single rolls? I don't want to struggle like that again. I don't. I don't want to struggle like that again. So then I say suck it up. Be in these organizations and suck it up. That's not the answer either. It's not the answer. So I don't know. But on this list, on this makeshift list, I've actually covered number one, number two, number three. Well, yeah, kind of number three. I'll come back to that. Number four. Um, and so I want to do three, five. Let's see if I can do three, five, and six. Number three says seeing danger as a leader versus as a worker. Seeing danger as a leader versus as a worker. And then number five is cut off from myself as a leader. And so I don't want to go into these organizations and lead representing them. I don't want to represent their values. Because here's what's so crazy about it. These organizations will put out these values. They will espouse the values. But everything that they 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 do in practice, it's not about those values. Or maybe it is, but they don't really understand that they're actually functioning off of some other values. I don't know. So I can say, yeah, I like those values, but there maybe there are some undisclosed values. There's some values that are undisclosed. So while there's, there's, okay, here it is. This is it. Here it is. This is interesting. While they're aspiring for some values, one set of values, they're aspiring for a set of values. They're being governed by another set. And while they have consciousness of the values in which they aspire, they are, un, they're ignorant, clueless, unaware of those values that are governing their day-to-day existence. And so to be a leader that is governed daily by a different set of values is it's just, I can't, I just, it's just, they won't, I can't do it. They, it's just a constant battle. It's a constant battle. And I try to say to my family, and this is number six here. I try to say to my family, that's not my battle. I am, I don't feel called to be a leader in a particular organization. I'm there. So I can buy my package of toilet paper. That's why I'm there. 
But my family gets excited because when people see the leaders, leadership of me, they know I can do it. Then they pluck me out of one role in the middle of the year, put me in another role. I do the job, but with me doing it, and because I'm not an INFJ, I don't make people feel warm and fuzzy, but I got the results for you. I got the results. But now I got a war with you. I got to deal with the consequences of not making people feel warm and fuzzy. I have to deal with the, their consequences that I'm dealing with right now. So I wish that I had a support system that would remind me, you, that is not your work. So there is some work that I want to do, but it's not going to give me the money. And I don't need the money in and of itself because I'm not material, not materialistic. My car is old, uh, appreciator, 2009. And I'm riding it. And they're like, you, do, you need a new car. Do I? It's getting me to my destination. <laughs> so, I, but I, I need the money for, Security and to prevent, to remain in control of myself. And the car, having a savings, is really ultimately. So maybe I should move. Maybe that's what just hit me. Maybe I should downsize. And I want to say there's a desire for stability because I'm like, I don't want to move. <laughs> I, I don't want change. Because change is taxing. Moving is a big stressor. And I've moved. It's not like I don't want to move ever. I've moved several times now. And so, but maybe I should think about moving to a smaller unit. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But that's the roller coaster that I'm on. And that's the confession. Because I would love to just have a breakthrough about what I'm going to be doing in the second half of life. Being my authentic self. Because I do know what I'm supposed to do in terms of spiritually. I know that. I know who I am. But that doesn't translate to structural and security. It just doesn't. If somebody's listening to me and you are well off, will you marry me? This is your, this is my proposal to you. Will you marry me? <laughs> so I can go and do good in the world and not have to worry. <laughs> but there's a downside to that because no one is going to, I can't be a kept woman, so. Yeah. So anyway. All right, you guys. That's all I have. No major breakthrough. Just a confession that I've been all over the place. That I, it's not the, in the last in season four. And it's not that I've been all over the place. But I feel like I'm stuck in a loop. Having a breakthrough. Not moving towards the breakthrough. Questioning why I'm not. Being confused. It's just a loop. And that's I have to be honest about that. You guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. I'm sorry I don't have anything better for you today. This is just where I'm at.
if this conversation about being clear but not clear, saileth, and it's an incomplete, okay, here's, I got something, something is coming through. It's being able to see well enough into the future for the, uh, to imagine solutions in the future of what I'm supposed to be doing spiritually based on who I am authentic, authentically. I can see it. I don't have enough connectedness with the sensory world to know how I'm supposed to finance that. So surviving it requires money. Money is a, it's a concept, but it's very much tethered to the sensory world. And I don't have enough of a connectedness with the sensory world to even care enough about doing what I have to do for the money. Because if I have to do a lot in the sensory world for the money, then I'm like, oh, that's kind of what's happened. This is what is, this is the challenge. It's another challenge. It's the complicated relationship that I have as an NI Dom. And I keep trying to find a job that's going to give me that security while still allowing me to do INTJ this. And it's just, it's not, it's not working. It's not working. What I have experienced in this special assignment is I have never experienced anything like this. I was put in position to do a thing, and I did it. And maybe they didn't know I was going to be able to do it as fast as I could do it. (laughs) They didn't know. And I did it. But in the absence of the F.E., I didn't prioritize the feelings of people. And here's why. It's not because I don't, because the feelings, this is, this is it in my current situation. This organization professes to want to do equity work. But the people in it are emotionally connected to what are called legacy systems. And legacy systems are systems that are put in place or are in place to maintain the status quo, to maintain current distributions of power. So while this organization says it wants change, the people in that system, that organization, wants, they want to remain connected to their comfort and their distribution of power. So... I went in there and I put in new systems that threatened the legacy systems. And all of it, the battle is not a problem. But the person, the CEO who put me in that assignment, who plucked me out of my other job, he put, and this is what hurts, he plucked me out of a job, another job, I mean, it was not the best, but it was nothing like this. 
plucked me out, put me in the role of a leader, had me do some things organizationally. I did it. And then will not publicly have my back and say, I, I asked her to do the thing that she did. He is not only not having my back, he's done some undermining, telling people, I mean, he's, he, he, it has been unbelievable. Now I have a, a person that works for me. She has a theory. And her theory is that there is a personality type that creates conflict, creates drama to solve it. I guess that's borderline. Borderlines do that, right? Is that borderline personality disorder? They will create a conflict and then they solve it. And then everybody gets to look and, and, and praise them for solving a problem. You created it. And he used me to do that. And I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that it coming that I would, he would act, he would put me on an assignment. To do and and tell me to do the thing, and then when I do it, now he's going to go in there and act like he's gotta support the people because I did the thing that he asked me to do, and then I'm in a situation because I can come out publicly and say it. I don't I don't have a problem with doing that, but when I do that, I need to make sure I'm no longer going to be working for that organization. Because right now that organization is helping me buy my packet of toilet paper. So this reflection isn't about the job, you know. It really is about what, it's about walking away from that into something else. Into the thing that I, I really believe I'm supposed to do. But I just don't have the understanding of how to do it and keep myself safe. Excuse me, secure and stay. I don't even worry about the stability, but just the secure part. I would like some stability because I'm not an extroverted intuitive. I'm an introverted intuitive. I do not like to be constantly bombarded with new stimuli, new data. So that there is a part of me that wants some stability just because I don't like to be overwhelmed with new data constantly. I like a degree of novelty but not a constant change, not constant. So let me start this over, you guys. <laughs> if this reflection has had any value for you, give it a heart. If the conversation about stability, security, and how that's in competition with forward motion, please take this. If you've had that conversation with someone in the world, please take this link and share it with that person. If my moving about in the ball of yarn <laughs> uh, has caused some randomness in you, please take this. Uh, please find a way to share it with me. You can find me on my website at uranidub.wordpress.com. Twitter, uranidub1. Facebook, uranidub. And YouTube, uranidub. Let me give you your assignment. In the book, Gifts Differing, you guys know I've been reading from that. It's a book I bought for myself for my birthday. And they're talking about censors. And um, 
God, if I go get this book, I'm going to open, it's going to open me up and I want to close, but I'm going to go get it for you guys so that I can give you this assignment. So in chapter 14, um, it's called type and occupation. And so there was a survey that was sent down in 1965 to a freshman class at a university. And there were five questions that were asked. Here was, excuse me, here's the question. One question. What do you consider the most important feature of the ideal job? What do you consider the most important feature of the ideal job? Option number one provides an opportunity to use one's special abilities. Option number two permits one to be creative and original. Option number three enables one to look forward to a stable and secure future. <laughs> Option number four provides one provides one with a chance to earn a good deal of money. And option number five gives one an opportunity to be a service to others. And then it said, uh, I'm going to read this. The five types that favor the stable and secure future were all sensing type. So let me say that again. The five types that favored option number three enables one to look forward to a stable and secure future. They were all sensing type. Now check out this, the opposite of that. Seven of the eight intuitive types favored either the opportunity to use their special abilities, which was number one, or the chance to be creative and original, which was option number two. So here you have me as an intuitive that would love, the, I want to be able to use my special abilities and to be cre to be creative and original, but I'm struggling with this need for stability and sec a secure future. And what I need somebody to do, whoever can write this book or write an article is, I need somebody to tell me how do intuitives have security and how do they, or are they all homeless? Are intuitive people homeless? <laughs> or they have the ability to find a job that lets them use their special abilities. And this is what privilege is. Privilege is having options. So then we have to start talking about race and class and gender, right? But privilege is having options to do that I, I don't so maybe the issue isn't about employment as it is about the right employment I don't know but anyway this, your assignment is what is most important to you um, this is what your assignment is going to be your ideal job I'm going to take it right out the textbook from gifts differing understanding personality type by Isabel Myers and Peter B. Myers what do you consider the most important feature of the ideal job? A provides option one provides an opportunity to use one's special abilities. Two permits one to be creative and original. Three enables one to look forward to a stable and secure future. Four provides one with a chance to earn a good deal of money. Or five gives one an opportunity to be of service to others. That is your homework. Good luck with that. Because <laughs> while you can answer it, it doesn't mean 
you're going to be able to skip off into the future and do it. But solving it is half the battle, I will agree. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. I'm sorry my energy is low. It's just been really tough lately, but I wanted to... I wanted to come and connect with you because it's, you know, my production with this podcast is, you know, it's not as high as I want it to be over the last few weeks. So just wanted to spend some time with you. But this is what I sound like when I'm struggling with something. So I'm struggling with the ball of yarn. But it has been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.